Good morning. I said good morning. Are you ready for some new and exciting things? Who's looking forward to 2019? Oh, come on now. Listen, we, we need to be looking forward to some new and exciting things. Let me tell you why. I was sharing with our volunteers earlier this morning before we opened up our doors uh, before first service. And what I was sharing with them was directly from Isaiah 43. Verses 17 through 19. And what's interesting is that God, and this is free, by the way. This has nothing to do with the message, but this is free. This is a freebie for you. It's interesting, but God says, remember not the former things. He says, don't look backwards. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now, I'll tell you why I share that with you. Because we exist, if we're not careful, between old and new. We look backwards. We think about where we've been, where we've come from, what we've done. But I want you to consider how God sees things. He says, I'm only focused on one thing. He says, behold on the new thing that I'm doing in your life. Behold on where I'm leading you. Behold on where I'm guiding you. And this, uh, this Sunday, we're starting off a new series entitled The Next Chapter. The Next Chapter. Yep, that's right. We have made five years. You heard Pastor Annette say it. January 5th is officially when we make five years. And the 6th, we will be celebrating the entire month of January, actually. We'll be celebrating five years. But we'll also be celebrating what God is calling us to. Where God is leading us. And uh, we, we want to encourage you to be here to, to, to just celebrate all the goodness of God. It's exciting to think what God has done in little five years. We started in our home with 12 people. We had no idea where these people would come from. <laughs> no idea at all. And 12 people showed up next week. We'll be, we'll be honoring them um, and thanking God for them. And for all of you, because you're all part of the story of what God is doing here. But we started with 12 people. And that quickly, we out, quickly outgrew that within three weeks. And we ended up in the Ho- uh, Hudson Valley Hotel and Conference Center. And then we were there for about five months, close to six months. And then we outgrew that. And then we ended up here at 90 Broadway. And we started with one service. And I got to tell you, it's exciting to hear that on this end of five years. But let me tell you, going through it, there was a lot of moments where it was like, what are we doing? (laughs) Do we even know what we're doing? But all we knew was this, to trust God. And that took vision, but that also took commitment. Commitment. And today I want to talk to you about the next chapter. I'm not here to talk to you specifically about Church at the Bridges next chapter. We'll allude to some of that. But how many of you know that we all have a next chapter in our life? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I remember when we were in a well-established ministry, about 3,000 people. We were in the youth department. We oversaw the teen department. Um, I was the the youth pastor. My wife uh, became my junior high school pastor. How cool is that to work with your wife? It's awesome. You see her at home. You see her at work. You see her in the car. You see her at night. You see her in the morning. It was just amazing. It was amazing. It really was. She's, she's a sight, man. She's a beauty um, in every way. But anyway, we, uh, we were in ministry, and we did that for a little over seven years. And I got to tell you, I thought we had arrived. Like, this is what God had for us. Um, I loved being a youth pastor. I loved working with kids. I loved their, their spunkiness. I loved their challenging questions. I loved to see them wrestle with their faith. I loved, I loved to see them believe God for greater things and grow. It was amazing. And so I thought, this is it. This is the last chapter. And in 2013, the beginning of the year, we were at a we were doing a uh, a winter event that we did that carried over into the new year. We used to call it winter weekend. We would take these kids out about three four hundred of them, and we would go out to Tuscarora, Pennsylvania, into this rickety little uh, cabin spot, and there was a gym there and all that. And we would just worship and do all kinds of cr- great stuff. And then we would have a New Year's Eve party. I bring in a Christian DJ and we'd have a New Year's Eve party and pray the year in and celebrate. And in the midst of that, as the ball drops and, you know, everybody's hugging each other, I'm reflecting on what's happening. And all of a sudden I felt completely out of place, completely out of place. And I asked, the Lord, a question that I'd never asked him before. I said, Lord, is my time up? 
And, I, and then I quickly convinced myself, no, no way. No, 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 that's dummy. No, you're right where God wants you. Second time that happened to me was in a summer camp, about 250 kids out in uh, the Monticello area, past Rock Hill and all that. And uh, we're in the middle of worship, and I just preached, you know, a sermon, and, and kids are responding, and kids are getting saved, and, you know, move of the Spirit. All kinds of cool stuff is happening, and we're in the midst of that. And I'm standing on the stage with a mic in my hand, and I'm saying something, and all of a sudden I felt completely out of place. It's like everything went slow motion for me, and I felt completely out of place. And that was the second time I asked the Lord the same question that year. I said, Lord, is it that my time is up? And then I quickly convinced myself, no, you're right where God wants you to be. And then December of 2013, we had just got done with a renovation project for the teen center. We had split it for junior high school and high school. It was a huge space. That was all done. Everything was going well. There was no issues. There was no behind-the-scenes drama. There was none of that. Everything was swell. And I walk into the teen center. Kids are there. My, my volunteers are there. Teams are there. You know, they, they're warming up for worship and everything else. The sound department, video department. Everybody's doing their thing. And I walk in, and I'm excited. And then all, of, all of a sudden, I just felt completely out of place. And this time I didn't have to ask the Lord because the Lord showed me in Isaiah 54 just days before that he was calling us to, to dry places. He was calling us to go to, to cities that we did not build and to inhabit buildings that we did not construct and we did not own, to reap from vineyards that we had not planted. What am I talking about? I'm, I know that sounds real spiritual. God was calling us to a place where we would flourish as we gave the gospel. But I got to tell you, hearing that story of, you know, man growing and all that and going through all these things, it's exciting. But walking through that to commitment, because I'll be honest with you, don't let the pastor title fool you. There are many times where I was afraid. There are many times where it didn't make sense. There are many times where I said, Lord, I know you said but man, how's this going to work? And it took something called commitment. It took something called commitment. Let me remind you, or let me just encourage you with a thought. Look, my job here is not to convince you of anything. My job is here simply to encourage you and point you to some truths revealed in God's word. The decision that you make for the next chapter in your life is solely your decision. But I want to encourage you to simply open your heart and open your ears and get past the fluff of what you've experienced in the past with God. Or maybe this is your first experience with God. Maybe this is just all brand new. Or maybe you, you grew up in church and, you know, this is like, all right, I'll come. But this isn't my thing. My, my encouragement to you is just consider the truth in God's word. Because we all have a next chapter. The scriptures say that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And let me tell you why I share that with you, because we all are a book that is being written out. Our lives are all penned out by God. And it, it doesn't include bad. I get it. We go through bad times, but God is convinced of one thing. He says in Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Watch his plans, plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future, not to harm you. And so we go through some tough times in life. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah. Right? We go through some tough times in life, but that's not God's plan. God doesn't use those things as tools to teach us. No, God brings us through the valley of the shadow of death. God brings us out and shows us new beginnings. And so listen, today I want to talk to you about commitment and commitment in light of your next chapter. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. I'm going to just dive right in. It starts off by saying that he said to the man who had invited him, this is Jesus speaking, when you have a dinner banquet, a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. 
But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Let me just pause right there for a moment, just give you some context here. Jesus is in the midst of a feast. A man, we don't know who this man is, has invited him and his disciples to sit amongst him in his home and to share a feast with them. In those days in Jewish culture, a feast, eating together, is one of the most intimate things that you could do. So it's a special moment. It has some some meaning. Jesus here takes a moment to teach something, to point something out about the kingdom of God. How do we know that? Because soon after this, as we'll see, he leads into a parable. And parables are simply stories that he would use, analogies that he would use to reveal spiritual truths about how God operates, how his kingdom works in our lives. And so here Jesus begins to say something. He says, hey man, if you're going to commit to the kingdom, don't do the obvious. Don't go to the person who's obvious that you should be doing something for. No, reach out to the one that doesn't. Uh, come across as the obvious choice. So watch this, verse 15. It says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. You know what this guy's saying? (sighs) Man, it is so cool just to just chill with Jesus. It's a blessing to just be with Jesus. Man, there's enough bread to eat. It's all good. And watch Jesus' response. It says, but he said to him, meaning Jesus, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. See, he started a parable here. So he's correcting some faulty thinking. He says, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, come. For everything now is ready. Say this with me. Everything now is ready. Everything's ready. He says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go to see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bringing the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded hasn't been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways And the hedges, that means the byways, crossroads. And compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. Now I want you to notice something here. That Jesus is sitting amongst people who are familiar with one another. They're familiar. He's amongst people who are familiar And Jesus immediately says, hey, man, if you're going to hold a banquet, if you're going to have a feast, don't do it with the obvious. Invite those that nobody else is inviting. Let me tell you something about commitment. Commitment takes us beyond the familiar. Commitment pushes us beyond what's comfortable. You ever have to make a commitment? Any of you? Let Let me tell you, husbands. Wives, how many of you know this? It takes commitment to remain married. Oh yeah, it takes commitment. There are days when you wake up and you don't feel so committed. You don't feel so loving. Parents, how many of you know you love your children? And there are days when you just don't want to be around them. It takes commitment. Friendships take commitment. And so Jesus says, hey man, don't go. Don't stick to the, to the obvious, the familiar. He says, no, go beyond that. You know what else we see here is that commitment, according to the kingdom, how Jesus begins to rectify this here, how he begins to clarify this with this parable, is that it's for those that are 
It's a call to the unseen. It's not about accolades. Commitment in the kingdom of God is not about what I get out of it or who sees me or who, who acknowledges me or who pats me on the back. It's a call to, the, to be unseen. It's also a call to reach others. I'll tell you something about commitment in the kingdom of God. Commitment in the kingdom of God is about somebody else before myself. Book of Philippians says that we should prefer ourselves. No, that's not what it says. It says we should prefer one another. And so this one disciple almost misses that. See, he's reclining, but he's not just reclining at the table. He's reclining in life. He's reclining in the kingdom. Listen, he's reveling in the fact, the idea that, man, it's just me and Jesus and I got bread. I'm good. And Jesus gives a parable to show something. No, 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 no. It's the complete opposite. See, it takes commitment to take part in what God wants to do in our life. Let me just put it to you this way. It takes commitment to get to the next chapter in life. It takes pressing through, pushing through, sticking it out. This is not a call to to, uh, comfort. It's a call to press, to push forward. So this guy's reclining at the table. And what we see is that Jesus responds with a parable. Now, the man who gave the banquet in the parable represents God. And the people that are invited there initially are the people of Israel. But they don't accept this king, Jesus, this savior, the Messiah. And so Jesus through this parable, reveals to us that he reaches out to people who are lame, people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who don't have it together, people who have issues. Do you know that that's not talking about physically sick people only? That's talking about an entire world that wanted nothing to do with God. That's you, that's me, that's us. I don't know about you, but I've been there where I wanted nothing to do with God. Not my thing. Not interested. Now, I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. I was there. But what we see is this, that God initiates, that God is committed to everyone. And he initiates a process of reaching out to mankind for the purposes of inviting them to something that in the Jewish culture, see, he's, he's using this story to illustrate to them the importance of what he's trying to show them. He's saying, I'm inviting you to the most intimate thing that we could do. Break bread together. There's an invitation from God. And what we see is that while some might not be committed, God remains committed. And so there's a question we have to consider here. What stopped them from a commitment to what God was trying to start in their lives? And I want to read to you verses 18 through 20 again. It says, but they all alike began, watch this, to make Excuses. Excuses. You ever been on the cusp of something new in your life? You ever been at the, on the verge of stepping into a new opportunity? A, 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 a new experience, a new career move, a new relationship, a new whatever. And you're at that point where you're about to step over that line and then you somehow convince yourself through an excuse. I can't. You know what that excuse does? It enables you so that you won't. Stops us. And it was their excuses to commit to the invitation to partake of the kingdom. Listen, this is indicative of one thing. God is inviting all mankind to his very best. And he's the one providing it. Not us. He's the one setting the table. Not us. And the one thing that stopped them was excuses. You know, that word commitment, to commit simply means this. It means to pledge oneself. It means to be strong, to be strong towards. It means to endure in. It means to persevere. It means to maintain consistent responsibility. But let me say something to you. Let's just leave that slide up there, guys. Commitment isn't a pledge to do something. Commitment 
is a pledge to be something. Commitment is a pledge to be something. It's interesting. But to commit is to pledge oneself. It's not simply about my word. No, this is about me as a person. This is about my time. This is about my energy. This is about my commitment. This is about my, my loyalty. This is about my, my, my resources, my gifts, my talents. And if we are to step into next, the next chapter in our life, ladies and gentlemen, can I just encourage you to consider that it takes commitment. It takes commitment. It takes being committed. Some might say, well, you just don't understand my schedule. You don't understand I have no life. I have no personal time. You don't understand all my other commitments. You don't understand my struggle. You don't understand that I'm weak in this area. You don't understand how hard it is. Can I just ask a question? Could it be an excuse? Is it an excuse? Could it be that the kingdom of God has been provided for us and what stops us from partaking in it is an excuse. It's an excuse. You know, there's a couple of things that we note from Luke 14 that an excuse is a lie wrapped in the appearance of truth. Tell you what I mean by that. These people really did have some situations going on. Listen. They were all invited to what God was trying to do in their lives. Every last one of them. And look, this guy really did have a field that he just bought that needed, he needed to go view and tend to. This other guy really, really, really did have five yoke of oxen and he had to go rear them and break them in and tend to them and get them plowing the fields and all that. This other guy really did have a wife. And that really was important to be with her. All those things were truth. But they were truths that covered up a greater truth. That they weren't committed to what God was calling them to in the kingdom. See, an excuse is a lie wrapped with the appearance of truth. Our level of commitment determines our level of experience with God in life. Listen, everyone was invited. Everyone was invited. God is wanting to do something in all our lives and extends an invitation to all. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter what you struggle with. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter where you fall short. The invitation is for all. God goes to all lengths to invite us, to draw us in. But the thing about it is this. The choice to be made to step into that experience on a daily basis lies on us. And so you see, our level of commitment determines our level of experience with God in life. Commitment is like a bridge. It creates a path to get from where we are to where God is taking us. It shortens the distance. It makes the impossible possible. Commitment is like a bank account. How many of you know one of those are? How many of you have one of those? Bank account, right? You know how a bank account works? I'll tell you a true story. I, won't, I once went shopping on Christmas. And uh, I was balling. I had $300 in my account, right? Hey, I was 19 years old, 18 years old. I thought I, you know, I was all right for Christmas. And I went shopping. And I go shopping and I, I'm, I'm, I'm buying a whole bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden the most terrible thing that could happen to anyone happened. I'll tell you what that was. I've got all these bags, I've bought all these presents, and I said, man, let me just buy one more for someone that I wanted to impress. And I'm at the register, and I give the girl my card, and she goes, I'm sorry, sir, your card has been declined. And I got real indignant. No way! There's money in that account. She says, I'll try it again. I said, yeah, you, you got to try that again. And there's a line behind me. So, you know, I've got more people to kind of prove to that. No, there's something in there. I'm sorry, sir. Your card has been declined. Call your manager. 
Get somebody on the phone. Do something because there's money in that account. I knew very well there was not money in that account at that point. I was just too embarrassed. My point with that is simply this. You know how bank accounts work? You can only draw from what you put into it. I'll tell you why I share that. Commitment is the same way. You can only draw from the commitments you make. And let me tell you something. Every last one of us, God has a next level, a next chapter, a next step. You think you've reached the pinnacle of what marriage is? Newsflash, it gets better. You think you know what it is to be a parent? It gets better. There's more in store. You think you know what it is to own a business? to employ people, to impact people in the community, to be involved, there is still more in store. There is always more in the kingdom of God. We can never outgive God. We can never outwork God. You think you've been there. God's been there and come back already. So you see, our level of commitment determines our level of experience with God in life. And on the other side of commitment lies all that God has provided for us in life. God extends an invitation to everyone to this lavish banquet. He's provided it all. The entertainment, the food, the the giveaways, everything. He's provided it all. He said, come into my house. Let me show you the God that I am. And here's what happens. We already heard about excuses, right? But for some people, they said, no, there's something of more importance on the other side something over there that I want. At the expense of missing all that the kingdom of God provides. See, as I said, on the other side of commitment, crossing that bridge of commitment, staying committed to the dreams that God has placed in your heart. I dare say this, that there are some of you here who God has called to ministry. And you gave up on that dream. You gave up on that call. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe things went haywire wherever you were. Maybe you've never accepted the call. There's some of you that there's still more in store for you. In your place of business. In your level of influence. There are those of you that there's still more in store for you in terms of your growth, your understanding in the things of God, in experiencing the blessing of God, in seeing new opportunities open. There's still more. But you got to stay committed to the call. You got to stay committed to the invitation. It's a good one. You know what else we see in Luke 14 is is that everyone's invited, but not everyone will commit. Everyone has the same opportunity. Everyone has the same invitation. But only those that commit to the invite see the opportunities come to pass. And so I'm going to give you, as we're wrapping up here today, some simple steps to living a committed life. Life in the kingdom. Listen, 2018 is gone, ladies and gentlemen. It's gone. 2019 is upon us. But you know what? 2019 doesn't start on January 1st. 2019 starts with the commitments that we make every day, starting today. Starting today. Can I I encourage you to commit? to truly trust God in 2019? Can I encourage you to truly commit to seeking God in his kingdom in 2019? Can I encourage you to commit to growing amongst the body of Christ in 2019? Can I encourage you to commit to get out of your comfort zones and begin to build strong relationships in the body of Christ? Can I encourage you to make a commitment to seek how God can use you in more measure in 2019? 
Can I encourage you to believe that God still is the God who does exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond and remain convinced that where you may be is not where you are to end in 2019 because God is a faithful God and he invites you to more. Can I invite you to make that commitment? And so listen, if we're going to make commitments, if we're going to believe God, if we're truly to discover the next chapter that God has already written, a good one, let me encourage you with a couple of things. The first thing I want to encourage you with is to ask yourself the right question. What are you talking about? Look, if we're not careful, we can make following God about our desire for him to follow us. Let me tell you what that looks like. Let me tell you what that looks like. I'm following after God. And so here I am following after God. And then all of a sudden I get this bright idea. Oh man, I feel this so strongly. I really want to see this happen in my life. And so we begin to chase after things. Maybe people. Maybe someone else's story. Maybe someone else's experience with God. Can I encourage you not to chase after what God is doing in somebody else's life, but to discover what God is doing in yours? Can I encourage you to do that? There's a reason why the Bible says that we should not compare ourselves amongst ourselves. It says that it's foolishness. Don't look to the left or to the right. But let me tell you about this right question. And so you start off following after God, and all of a sudden now you've got all these other ideas. And you begin to follow after those things. And God is still with you. But now you're going into this tailspin where you're chasing after this. And you're chasing after that. And God is still there. And you're saying, let me see if this is where God is leading me. And so we're living by trial and error as opposed to the voice of God. We put ourselves in difficult situations. And then we say, well, this must have not been where God was leading me. Well, How did we get to the point where we thought God was leading us there in the first place? I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. Now, I'm talking to us who who are familiar in Christian circles. man. If this this is all new to you, just, just hear where I'm coming from. Because we can all do this. We start off by saying, God told me that this is what I'm supposed to do. By the way, if you ever come to me with one of those, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I'm going to tell you why. Because I cannot speak for God. I can point to his word, but I do not speak for God. God is well and able to speak for himself. It's the reason why he's given us his precious Holy Spirit that points us to all truth and shows us things to come. Got nothing to do with that. The moment somebody tells me God said... I may completely disagree, but I've got nothing to say. Nothing to say. But listen, when you're asking yourself the right question, what you're really exploring is, is this God's plan? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians 13.5 puts it this way. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. Listen, commitment starts with hearing from God getting direction from God and faith in God for the journey. It doesn't start the other way around where I'm going to start this journey and hope that this is God's plan. Listen, it might be something that you've been doing forever. You might be real good at it, but that does not mean that that's where God is leading you. You ever heard the one about the guy who woke up one morning and felt that God was speaking to him about where he should go eat. You ever heard that one? This guy wakes up in the morning and, and he's, he's just kind of meditating, you know, kind of emptying his thoughts and he's, he's praying and he's talking to God and he says, God, where should I go eat? And then he says, I feel like God is leading me to go eat some fish. So he gets up. This is in the Arctic Pole somewhere, right? So he goes out and he finds himself a nice thick sheet of ice. And he's standing on it. He begins to cut the hole out. He cuts the hole out and he drops his line. And he's fishing and he hears, there's no fish there. 
He says, God, thank you. So he gets up and he goes to another piece of the part of the ice, cuts another hole. He begins to fish. There's no fish here. Gee, God, you must. Okay, I'm going to move and I'm going to go find another spot and maybe it'll be there. That's what you're telling me. Cuts a hole, drops his line. He's fishing. He goes, there's no fish there. And he goes, God, is that you talking to me? And he goes, no, I'm the manager of the ice skating rink. (laughs) Listen. I encourage you to involve God at every step of the way. And let me tell you the first step at the very beginning. At the very beginning. God does not move us by feelings. God moves us according to truth. God speaks according to his word. My pastor used to say this to me. If you think God spoke to you, son, think again. Don't make a move until you hear from the word of God. Make sense? So if you find yourself making plans and looking to God as an afterthought, can I just encourage you to stop? Stop, you're headed the wrong way. If your plan is to just take these steps and God will show me along the way, no, 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 no. The scriptures say that he will show you things to come. He's always ahead of us, not behind us. Let me also encourage you to determine your aim. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 3 says this. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. You know, commitment in regards to stepping into the next chapter where God is leading us in life is a lot like taking aim. I'll tell you what I mean. It involves focus and it involves distance. Commitment involves distance. It's for the long haul. It involves focus upon that which God is showing us. And God never leads without a plan in mind. And so we would be wise to find out what God's plan is according to his word. Oftentimes we struggle with commitments is because we either don't have a plan, we, we've taken our eyes off the plan, or we're not in it for the long haul. So let me encourage you to stay focused on what God has called us to. And what are his plans for you? One of our deacons, uh, Deacon Jim, he's, he's into that hunting and all that. This guy's like MacGyver 2.0, right? Some of you, that went over your head. You're not, you don't even know about MacGyver, right? That, that is old school. But anyway, every season when deer hunting season comes, he says, man, I'm trying to catch one. And it, it, it always comes down to the wire. The, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking, he was like, I think it was like a week left or a couple of days left. He sends me a text. He goes, hey, man, I got something for you. And I said, oh, man, that's cool. I said, did you catch something? He says, yes, I caught a doe. I said, man, that's awesome. Congrats. What's my point with that? Day in and day out, week in and week out, Deacon Jim was going out into the woods. He's a better man than I am. Four o'clock in the morning out there and freezing cold in the dark. Stuck on a tree, leg cramps, or that's that that would be me, not Deacon Jim. He's out there, he's committed, but he was committed for the long haul. Listen, it's better to see things for the distance than to settle for the immediate. God's plans are ahead of us, is what scripture tells us. Therefore, a time that is to come. It says that it describes the end in verse 3 of Habakkuk 2. And it says, and it will be fulfilled. But watch this. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. That's commitment at work. It's commitment at work. Too often we try to rush through life. 
You miss a lot when you're speeding. I also want to encourage you to count the cost. I'll just read this to you from Scripture. It's pretty much self-explanatory. It says, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 30, it says that a large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. And he's not saying hate your children. He's not saying hate your wife. What he's saying is that you, if you're going to follow after me, just understand that you have to love me more than anyone else. You have to be committed to me more than anyone else is what he's saying. And so he says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might completely, uh, I'm sorry, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Every commitment in life comes at a cost. Your dreams cost something. The promises of God cost something. And thank God that through Christ, he's paid for it. But let me tell you, we have to make choices that sometimes are difficult. Listen, commitment will cost you something. But to not commit, to the next chapter of your life, to not commit to what God is calling you to, to not commit to what God is revealing, to not commit to the invitation of God will cost you and I everything. Everything. We're called to commitment. Psalm 37 verses 5 and 6 puts it this way. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Notice that that word everything means everything. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. When you commit your life to God's way and you put your trust in him, you'll find the strength and the help you need for it to come to pass every time. But we have to make the commitment to put it in God's hands, to seek God's direction. Many of us, Some of you are at different crossroads in your life. You're finishing school. You're exploring careers. You're exploring a new dimension of parenthood or whatever it is. Can I say to you, commit it to the Lord because he'll work it out. He'll bring it to pass. I also want to encourage you to take action. James 1, 22 through 25 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Listen, commitment. To go to that next chapter where God is leading you, where God is inviting you, where God is calling you, takes more than just emotion. It takes more than just simple resolve. Listen, commitment without action is wishful thinking. Commitment without action is wishful thinking. See, commitment involves action in response to God's word. Let me ask you a question. How are you responding to God's word today? Let me take that a step further. What is God speaking to you right now through his word? Not just at this moment, but what has God been speaking to you this past week? For some of us, it's possible that we may not be able to answer that, but it's not because God hasn't been speaking. Could it be? It's because we haven't been putting ourselves in a place to listen and hear his word. And lastly, I want to encourage you to stay in the race. Stay in the race. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. At the end of his life, Paul reveals something to us. That commitment involves staying faithful to the end. It's like a race. See, in a race, every runner runs to win. But to win, there's a couple of things they do. They fight through the moments when giving up seems like the best option. You know, they say that the mind gives up before the body does. And oftentimes, the reason why we fall short is because we give up here first. A runner looks forward with focused faith. He's convinced that the end is achievable. He keeps it in focus. And a runner who runs a race stays in their lane. Let me share something with you as we're wrapping up here today. Earlier this year, we started in June with casting a vision for where God is leading us as a ministry. It's a bold vision. It's a big one. It's bigger than anything that we could conceive on our own. It's part of our next chapter as a ministry. It's part of your next chapter in light of what God is doing. But I got to tell you, it hasn't been easy. I haven't said much because I'm not going to come up here and complain to anyone. We started off on this endeavor of obtaining this new facility to not just accommodate our needs here as a congregation, but also to create a space, as the scripture says, to enlarge our tents to the left and to the right, to make room for what God wants to do. And for us here as a ministry, what that means is that we're clear that we're called to have a space that's for more than just Christian activity. That we're called to a space, to a place where we open our doors throughout the week and we embrace this community and beyond in this region. And we serve people, we meet people's needs through simple things like GED and ESL, like a youth leadership academy and after school programming and all that. Look, by the way, let me just address the question that some of you have. I'm not making a pitch for an offering here. It's not what I'm doing. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm just sharing with you about what commitment looks like. And so we made an offer on this facility. And granted, it was significantly less than what they were asking for. But we, we made a very compelling argument as to the advantages that existed through going with us in the sale of this facility. They turned us down. So I went back to the drawing board and I said, but listen, they need to consider this, 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 and this. I'd like to sit down with them. And they said, draw up a proposal for us. Well, we went and we started off on an entire assessment. Uh, we went through tax uh, code. We looked through all these things and we put together this entire proposal and we turned it in. We're waiting for an answer. But let me tell you this. There have been moments when I've just wanted to just go, what's happening here? Be honest with you. There's been times when it's crossed my mind, man, maybe we should just, I don't know, go to a third service, a fourth service. Just settle for where we are. And I said, no. No. God, we know the God that we serve and we know the vision that you've given us. And so where we are right now is, look, we've, we're taking new steps in commitment. Here's what we're doing. We're looking at new facilities. We're looking at other options. We're not backing down from what God has called us to. Listen, discouragement will come when you remain committed to what God has called you to. But when you stay committed, you will find the strength to overcome and you will see it come to pass. There is a next chapter in your life. There's a new page to be turned to, a new story to be written, 
a new experience and a new opportunity to discover. And ladies and gentlemen, I am encouraging you today to stay in the fight. To stay in your lane. To not look to the left. To not look to the right. To not give up. To not back up, but to remain committed to the promises that God has made to you and keep moving forward. Though it tarry, though it delay, wait patiently. God will bring it to pass. Let's stand here today. This next year is truly the beginning of a next chapter in our lives. There's a new chapter. There's something more for you. There's more for us as a ministry. And there's also more for the lives of the many people that you will touch, that we will serve, and that we will lead to Christ. God is in the midst and he's made an invitation and he says come every one of you come and see what I have in store Heavenly Father today we thank you for your word it's truth we thank you for the invitation that is clear an invitation to a next chapter to turning away from the past, to letting go of the old and looking to that which is new, to beholding your goodness. Father, today I pray, Lord, open the eyes of these, your people, to see what you have in store for them. I thank you, Lord, that today there are hearts that are renewed, refreshed, revived, Believing once again, Lord, that you are still the God who's called them, anointed them, appointed them, and that you are faithful to complete what you started in their lives, Lord. If there's anyone here today, and God isn't your thing, you've never really paid much attention to God in your life, but today there's something different for you. Today for the first time, maybe you're saying, you know what, I honestly believe that God loves me, that God has a next chapter for me. But let me tell you, that chapter starts with the author. It's Jesus Christ, who gave his life to erase the previous ones, to forgive, to cleanse, to heal, to wash away, to restore us from that which is sin and that which separated us from God. And in this new chapter, here's what he's written. You're righteous. You're holy. You're accepted. You're royalty. You're my child, son, daughter. You're blessed. You're healed. You're prospered. You're successful. You're capable. You're strong. You're smart. You got the goods. Hey, if you believe that today for the very first time, we want to join you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's just simply acknowledging the good gift of God. It's turning the page to the next chapter. Congregation, let's join together with them in praying this. Let's say this together. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price for me. Today I declare that you're my Lord, my Savior, and my God. And from this day forward, I'm following you and stepping into the next chapter. We celebrate that decision. If this is your first time, we thank God for all that.